Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 221. Suns fan here with the Cinderin. Yo. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2024. That's right. It's, it's many years now that we've all been alive. Congratulations, everybody. We made it. You don't know that. Well, everybody listening to this is alive. I'm going to go out on yeah, a limb. You don't know if everybody listening is old. Thank you to our patrons of the In Bruges tier. Especially those under 10. STGC Daniel. Humbled Bookmaker recommends Cocoon. Suns fans chafed travel taint manscaped at. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. I love the NBA segment as Suns fan promised today will be the best episode ever. Not anymore. Pepperballs, T-Coil, Q Ludes is ready to praise the podcast. Stupid co-pilot just got paid and don't know how to back Relic Arena now. Well, you can't anymore. Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Magdev. There are billions of gamers on Earth and most haven't even heard of, let alone tried Dota, something something marketing. Disco Farm D and the Mega Pope. Thank you. And Zan Xavier, Nate Thickle Zero One Hamscrows, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Shark TM, Janie Dop, nothing to see here, Ivremont. Ben Broomhead has run out of food. He's now hunting the rats in the Climate Pledge Arena. You've been doing that for a month, Ben. Uh, wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and Kangaroos cannot jump backward due to the structure of their hind legs, Mr. Niebling. Hmm. That is an interesting fact. I've got one for you, Niebling, that you can uh, look into for next week. There's something called the Shannon number. How about that for a fun fact for our good friend? What does that mean? Yeah, he, he's going to write about that for next week. That, that, that's what the segment... That, you wrote this on the outline, that's it? Yeah, I was going to go into detail, but I feel like you should do it instead. Okay, sounds good. A uh, quick NBA segment. You ready for this, Cinderin? Oh, I'm ready. This is actually relevant. Yeah, it is kind of relevant. So LeBron James <laughs> made a tweet. Uh, I will quote it. Thinking of live streaming my EA Madden NFL games when I play, who should I stream with? Meaning which platform brand? Once he did that, people started going crazy. Uh, the... Is it the CEO of Twitch tweeted at him saying, come to them. Kick, I'm sure, has reached out. Uh, that should be interesting. I think if he were to stream, he would get a lot of viewers initially. Do you think that he would sustain crazy viewership? Because let's just assume he's really bad <laughs> because mm -hmm. he spends all his time being good at basketball. Do you think that matters? Right. I mean, he will definitely have more viewers on the first two or three times he streams, but I think he will sustain a, a solid amount of viewers, yeah, for sure. Mm. People want to watch LeBron. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, here's the thing, Jenna. I'm I'm not very interested in basketball, but I would still watch LeBron stream for at least thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah. So he really likes gambling in real life. So if he goes with oh, kick, uh, it's going to be casino no, there stuff. Go. There you go. You're going to love that, right? Yeah, well, supposedly there's a couple. He got a couple of responses on Twitter, right? So one of them was from a representative of Kick, and the other one was from the CEO of Twitch. So the CEO of Twitch is like, "I'm a bit biased, but Twitch is the best platform to engage with your fans." And the response from Kick was, "Come to Kick, I'll get you a bag, my glorious king." So there you go. This <laughs> bit of a contrast there. Uh, so just to give you guys an idea, one is Aiden Ross, who streams on Kick, who isn't technically, you know, an owner or whatever, and the other one is the actual CEO of Twitch, but. You know, thought it was funny either way. So LeBron, so for, maybe there's some people who don't know. Do you think there's anybody that exists that watches the show that doesn't know who LeBron James is? Is that possible? Yes. Genuinely, that's we, possible? As we've already established, we do have viewers that were just born. <laughs> okay. So for you little babies that were just born, LeBron James is currently the most uh, famous basketball player and he is. Some people think he's the greatest of all time over Michael Jordan. Some people, like myself, put him at number two. Pretty much nobody puts him under that. So it's one or two. I put him under. And okay, very interesting. He recently got like a, a record for the most points throughout the career, which nobody thought could ever be done. His longevity. That's not really impressive enough for top two, though. He's in long. His longevity is insane. This is like year nineteen, and he's still playing at an all-star level where. Normally at this age, you're just a shell of yourself. Anyway, he is known, despite being a billionaire now, by the way, mm -hmm. he is known as being one of the cheapest people. I don't know when it, what happens when it comes to tips and whatnot, but we were I think we were discussing this on the podcast where there was like a story, and there's other stories that I forget about, but this is one really stuck with me. Uh, what's that uh, music app that people used to use? Pandora. He would use that in the locker room with commercials because it was free. He wouldn't pay the, let's assume it was $5 or whatever it was to get the ad-free stuff. People would be listening to the fucking commercials with multi-millionaire, in some cases, billionaire athletes listening to it. Isn't that crazy? He's got the right attitude to get really rich because do you know, you want to know the number one secret to getting rich? Don't spend money. There you go. That's it. And he, well, then I didn't even need to tell you. I'm surprised you knew that secret. Yeah, I, um, I choose not to. I do the opposite of that yeah, in my life, which explains a lot. Yeah, that's... Uh, but the reason I bring that up... Makeability arena, and this guy doesn't buy subscriptions. <laughs> there you go. That's a little bit of a... That's right. He's the one that plays free-to-play and just... Uh, yeah. So the, the reason I bring it up, though, is because Kick, if they were to pay him, he would probably just choose that over Twitch because it's just money. He'll, he'll go Probably. where the money is. So regardless of... It, it's also one of those questions where how much is he actually going to look into... Is he going to get like advice from other people or is he just going to, you know, like you said, just take the best financial deal, right? Because I, I don't know how much someone like this knows about streaming culture. Because I know some of the big sports, ath uh, sports athletes actually know quite a lot about Twitch and others really don't and obviously don't know where this guy is, right? Uh -oh. Well, I can guarantee you a lot of his teammates or people he knows in the NBA know a lot about it. Like, mm -hmm. just as an example, we've talked about Devin Booker streams on Twitch. He plays Call of Duty all the time. So the right. younger generation are definitely going to be more familiar, but he has people that can easily tell him. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting.
Uh, I have a Suns fan recommends. It's been a while. Oh. It's been a long while, in fact. Oh boy. Let's uh, let's guess what category it is. I'm gonna say this is a movie. Correct. Yes. Any other guesses? It's about a man. <laughs> uh, eh, I don't know. Okay. Oh. So this is a weird recommendation. So first of all, some people recommended this to me initially and said, you have to watch it. And they did not tell me anything about it. And they're like, just trust me. You will like it. Bro. So I watched it. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> tell you the name now. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you anything about it aside from my feelings. Okay. Okay. It's called One Cut of the Dead. I've heard this before. It has very good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I would recommend not reading anything about it, which you're doing right now, of course, breaking the rules. Uh, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This one is very spoilery because it might, I don't know if it would ruin people's perception of the movie or whatever, but I'll tell you this. This was my feelings during the movie. Mm-hmm. A third of the way through, I was like, "Oh, this—that's kind of cool the way they did this." Two thirds of the way through, I was like, "I'm—I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. I might just turn it off." Once I was done, okay, holy shit, that was amazing. <laughs> that was really good. It's one of those uh, you gotta wait for the payoff. I thought it was okay. extremely well done. Fascinating how it was. I—I I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm going to end up spoiling something. So one cut of the dead is something I would recommend. It's not a normal movie I would watch either. Like just if I watched the mm-hmm. trailer for this, 100% I would not watch it. 100%. So just go in blind. Just trust. Okay? Just trust. It's good. It's good stuff. Okay. That's my recommends. Your recommends turn, Cinderin. Yeah, we're back. Uh, I'm going to recommend a video game today, Shannon, to recommend something else. Um, Also, I have compiled a list with very short descriptions of the previous games that I have recommended on the show. Uh, We're going to put a link to that in the description of the YouTube videos going forward. So if you guys are looking for a summary or some inspiration for stuff that you could find fun to play, it's in there. Um, Currently, it's just text it's literally just name of the game and then what the genre is and what it's about uh, without spoiling anything really um yeah i should probably add links to the steam store in there perhaps but maybe people want to get it on other platforms or whatever so maybe i'll just keep it this way anyway uh i'm gonna change to from recommending two games to one 
because uh, otherwise I will run out soon. And I think people enjoy this segment. So today, I'll be recommending a game called Return of the Obra Dinn. Have you heard of this game before? I have heard of it. Yeah. I have to so, look it up again, though. This is kind of interesting because it's a little bit similar to your experience of watching that movie you just recommended. That uh, This was a game Susie had me play, and I played for a few hours, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is for me. And then I kept playing, and then it got really good eventually. Um, it's a very unique game. Um, I have played nothing like this before. It's an adventure, or a mis it's like a combination of an adventure and a mystery puzzle game. Or puzzle mystery, and the con the core concept of the game is that you need to uncover the fates of people who have died aboard a ship, and it's about contextualizing clues and being like analytical and looking for small details here and there, uh, which inherently sounds really interesting to me. But um, yeah, I just needed some time to get into it. And my number one recommendation, without spoiling anything, if you do pick up this game and play it. You need to read the tutorials really carefully. I think that was a big part of the reason why I didn't enjoy the game for the first few hours was I didn't fully understand the mechanics. Um, they're very special in this game, and they only get explained once, really. So if you kind of just skim through or skip tutorials like I generally do with games, uh, it hurts you in this game. It hurts your enjoyment. So read the tutorials, and I think there's a really good chance you're going to love this game. Um, also, similar to Chance of Sonar that I recommended a couple of episodes ago, uh, this game is awesome to play with a friend or to play as a group of people because it's one of those things where it's one of those games where people are going to notice different things, they're going to draw different conclusions, the discussions can be really fun and interesting, uh, and everybody will contribute something different to solve the to solve the puzzle. So, highly recommended. Uh, check it out. I think it's about twenty euros. Um, this is not a game you're going to play for a ton of hours. So in terms of like just just raw time for your money, this might not be the best on the list, but it's a very unique experience. So Is it good on the Steam Deck? Uh, I would think it plays fine on Steam Deck, yeah. It's not a game that's about like extreme precision or anything. Mm. Um, it's just about, yeah. You play it at your pace. There's no time limit or anything. Uh, so yeah, it should be wonderful for the Steam Deck too, actually. All right, cool. Yeah, check it out. All right, roster okay. shuffle for this week. Not that much because we're running out of players that are not on teams. <laughs> uh, Azure Ray, they add Ori, and it was Faith Beyond. His uh, hell yeah, they announced him as Bach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is he actually playing under that name or? He's I think he's going to play on that name, yeah. What's the point? <laughs> Everybody knows it's him. Yeah, well, that's just Chinese Dota, though, right? We've talked about this before. Yeah, the but when you're this Nick famous... Yeah. So was Maybe, and he changed name to Somnus, right? That's true. Well, like, he didn't win a TI, though. Okay. I'm, Has a sure. TI winner changed if their name? If you win TI, you can't change your name. Yeah. Or what? yeah I don't know of anything. Uh, well, uh, I... I I still find it fascinating in Chinese Dota culture. Maybe this is just an esports thing that they love changing their names, especially when they come back after a break. I don't know if it's some sort of superstitious rebirth thing or whatever, or if you just want a fresh start. But um, Faith Beyond is my favorite Chinese player of all time, so I'll be cheering for them. Um, absolutely love the guy. He's really great in person too. We met him and talked to him a bit at an ESL event where he was talent recently. Uh, great guy. Just uh, wish him all the best. Uh, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised to see Ori back. I genuinely thought he would not return with the way his retirement happened. Because 
the way it was presented was that his parents were not supportive of him playing professionally mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, and then after not playing pro for, I want to say, half a year or a year, maybe they realized, oh, he was actually making good money. So maybe <laughs> then he gets to play again. I don't know. Oh, there's um, no more money coming in. What What's happening? Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was lying to them the whole time, telling him, them he was selling drugs. And then eventually he had to tell them the truth. And they were like, oh, okay, I guess you can play video games. <laughs> um, yeah, strong team, though. Low, Ori, Faith Beyond, FY, and Tianmeng. Uh this is a top contender for tournaments, in my opinion. So we'll be exciting to see. I think Lowe's stock has gone up quite a bit. I think he's playing really well in the carry position. Uh, and the other players need no introduction to most of our viewers, probably. So awesome team. Going to be top three in China easily, and maybe top three in the world. And then from Tundra's side, uh, which again, this was the old TSM, they basically dropped almost the entire roster. A lot of people speculating that it's because of sponsor obligations that they just needed a team for one more event and then they can just choose other players. Yeah. They did keep Whitemon. So mm-hmm. based on that fact alone, it sounds like they might be building around him. Uh, what players are available still? Off the top of your head. like Mind Control. Like yeah. big names, obviously. Who was... Uh, what t- What is Topson? Was he on Tundra? Am I crazy? What team was he on? He was. What happened to him? He was no longer on Tundra. I don't know what Thompson's doing. I don't actually. I don't remember them ever announcing that he wasn't on the roster anymore, though. Remember? Mm-hmm. That's true. His contract could have ran out, but you'd think that they'd make a post about it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, like so every other Ti winner, he's just changing his nickname. He's called White Mon now. So. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Um, yeah, and keep in mind, mind Soxa is still inactive, right? So he could also theoretically yeah. be somebody. Soxa is inactive. He could be playing. White Mon is a five, so that they would be compatible. Uh, mind Control is probably the biggest name right now that I can think of that's teamless. There's some up-and-coming, really promising players in Europe, as always. Um, there's some very high-rated... Uh, I heard some rumors about Nine Class, who is playing position four in pubs. He's ranked five on the leaderboard right now. Um... Some rumors that he could be playing with this team, in which case Soxa would not be. Uh, Soxa obviously hasn't announced anything, so he might just be on indefinite break still uh, and may never come back. Uh, but it's Dota, so he will. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah, I guess Mind Control is the big name, right? I, I think I read some rumors about this team, uh, the roster, but I actually forgot what it was. I should have written this down somewhere, so that's just bad journalism. Um. I'm sure we'll see in due time. But I, I think Tundra's wording definitely implied that they are not out of Dota. So, yeah. It would also be a little bit weird to leave Dota one year after you win TI as an org, right? Well, it'd be Probably weird to I... leave Whitemon on a roster that's not Dota as well. So, maybe he's really good at <laughs> another video game. We're keeping Whitemon and we're going into Call of Duty. <laughs> you never know. Huh. Some of these players are very multi talented. Okay, next topic, because we didn't really have that much to talk about. Uh, there's a streamer. Is he Russian? I believe so, yeah. His name is Rostislav. I'm sure I'm butchering it. Uh, he's been smurfing on stream with many viewers. Uh, he's a he's, very popular streamer. He's around uh, 10,000 MMR, and he's been smurfing a lot. And he finally, after many complaints on Reddit, he got vac banned. 
Uh, but of course, that just means he's switching to another alt account. Mm -hmm. Is this grounds for banning his real account? And does that matter to these players? I mean, I'm sure that part would. I mean, I'm honestly at this point, I'm a little bit confused about what Valve are, what their stance really is, right? Because their stance was officially changed sometime recently that smurfing is not welcome, right? Which mm. means one player, one account should technically be what it is. So with that logic, um, every time a player is discovered to have played on an account that isn't their main account, that account should be uh, not necessarily just complete. Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually just banned in Dota, right? If that's your stance that people should have one account, then any secondary account should be banned. People are calling for mains to be banned. I don't think that's the right solution because I think what ends up happening if you ban people's mains is that they're just going to, you know, play on a different account and essentially ruin more games. Mm. Um, in the case that we talked about some weeks ago with Mason, the difference was that the main account did something that was against terms of service. So then obviously you punish the main if the main does something it's not allowed to. See, I don't know but, if I agree with that logic because either way they're going to be making new accounts and playing on them. If he's getting viewers smurfing mm -hmm. with new accounts and he gets banned on a smurf account, he's just going to make another smurf account. Apparently he already had one, he's doing it again. So I don't So really you think see the banning the main is going to be better? Well, I think so there's a couple ways to look at it, but I think if you, if he does it, I mean, who knows what the, the, the amount or the, the correct number is, but if he does it a couple times and it's like an actual trend, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think banning his main actually will matter because number one, that's his highest MMR. That took him some time to get there. Obviously, he's not playing on it for a reason. Who knows what it is? Mm -hmm. He has monetary stuff, like value, like shit on there. Like literally there's mm -hmm. money. If he has okay. any items... They're, yeah. when, when you get VAC banned, you can't do anything with them. It's as if they have been deleted from the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big deal to some people. Right, okay, so from that, sure. Do, you think, do you think it's... Um, I agree with that part. I think if people have valuable accounts and they get VAC banned, so they lose all the value in the accounts, that's a pretty big punishment, uh, especially for some players, right? It's going to be very individual. Some people have $2 of items, some people have 10000 So... Obviously, it's like a really big difference from player to player, but I mean, I, I see a comment. Do you feel like that's reasonable to do without warning first? Because uh... I think banning a smurf without warning is completely fine to me, but if you ban someone's main, like you said, that they've played on for a long time and built up stuff on and have monetary value on, maybe you give them a warning first and say, okay, we've banned your smurf. If you do it again, we will ban your main. So the, you're asking the, then it's on you to make yeah. the choice if you think it's worth it, right? I, I mean, for me, I'm very hardcore with this stuff. The guy, based on what I read, which was very brief, so this could be incorrect, but he was harassing people in the games, and he's obviously the one that's by far the best player. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't feel bad about that. I, I really couldn't care less. Uh, somebody's mentioning something that I also wanted to talk about in regards to mm -hmm. this, where Valve... so. That I saw some comments in Reddit saying this, and now Twitch that they should just ban the Twitch account. Like Valve should talk to Twitch to ban his account because that actually is the thing that makes the biggest difference. And technically, smurfing mm -hmm. is considered considered cheating as against TOS on Twitch, okay. which is true. But I I just don't see Valve ever 
contacting Valve. I know it's, oh, it's not a... going to be Valve doing it. That's exactly. So then, why would Twitch care? <laughs> really, you know? Yeah. I don't but know if, if it's one of those things where if enough people report a stream, Twitch actually looks into it, or if it has to come from the the game developer before Twitch is allowed to do it or whatever. I mean, it should be a Twitch's discretion to do whatever the fuck they want with their accounts, right? Technically speaking. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know their policies at all. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, this is just such an obvious thing where it's just... I hate that people do this. I think it's bad for the game. I think it's very selfish. Um, and there's just... There's actually just no winners, I think, except the streamer. It's like literally the only person benefiting in these instances. That's Everybody not true. else loses. What do you mean? The viewers? Who else benefits? He has viewers that like what he's doing. So you think the viewers benefit from him smurfing? Yes. But we're playing on his main because they would prefer to watch smurf yes. gameplay over real game. Why do you think his viewership is higher when he's smurfing? Oh, is it higher when he's smurfing? This is what I read again. I okay. Didn't, I, I mean, didn't I can't confirm this. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> then it's just fucking sad. Like, that's well, just even worse. You well, know, the, if people would rather watch someone smurfing than someone playing higher skilled games. What Mason's been getting more viewers really after get he got banned, right? He's, I think that's a little bit different, though, because I don't think he's getting more viewers because he's playing against worse opponents. He's getting more viewers because of the story. It's, Sure. I am redeeming myself. How good? How fast am I going to get back to my former rank or whatever? Could be. Which, by the way, he calibrated and he's at eight thousand eighty MMR on his calibration. So he's basically back where he left off. Mm -hmm. Um, after playing, I don't know how many games he needed to play for that. Probably a hundred something. A hundred? Really? You need to play a hundred to play ranked, right? A hundred games? Holy shit! I think you need to play 100 games to unlock ranked, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe that's an old system. I guess I have, if you're playing 10, account, 10 games a day for a week, yeah, yeah. It, get close it's, enough. You get there pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, and then I think the calibration is pretty fast. 100 hours right? is what Chad is saying. Oh, 100 hours. Okay. I mean, that's roughly the same, right? With draft and queue time and everything. It's probably hmm. about the same. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think the streamer is pretty... I think the streamer's pretty popular. I've never watched him myself. I, I'm not sure if, what the appeal is, but I would like to think that he didn't get famous from smurfing only. Mm. And that it's like... Uh, we, we've had plenty of other examples of streamers that became popular just playing their main account and being either entertaining or educational or just, you know, good content. And then they stream either, like, or they smurf for any number of reasons. Um, I just hope this is going to be the case of someone else who finally gets finally gets it you know um yeah yeah i don't know how much more there is to talk about this really it's just oh i'd be interested to learn more from any viewer that watches him or knows more about this uh to post how about a sneeze to post some Bless comments you. thank you oh uh to illuminate us on what the draw is uh and if they get more view. I, that's the thing I'm most interested in. If he gets more viewers by smurfing or not. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's kind of a light news week, so I figured we'd just throw this in since yeah. uh, kind of on par with the Mason stuff anyway. Uh, all right. Next on the list, last Dota thing on the list, Cinderin. I haven't written anything mm -hmm. down about this. It's been a couple of weeks now, a few weeks since the big patch came out. 
What are yeah. your thoughts on it? Any anything that you weren't expecting to like or dislike? Well, let's try to rewind and remember what we rated it. Right? We both gave it a was a six out of ten. We ended up on roughly, sure. I think so, so. We called it like it was like mediocre. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, I think I kind of stand by that rating after playing it too. I think this patch is. It's definitely a breath of fresh air in terms of what heroes are are good for the most part. There's like some changes at least. Um, I feel like most of the new items, after a little bit of tweaking, like the new Solar Crest, Parasma, uh, Conda, like a lot of these items that sounded really cool aren't really seeing that much play. Conda barely gets used in very high MMR. I know it's a very popular item further down, but frankly, it's just not that good. Mm. Parasma is very good on specific heroes, so it has like a niche, but that niche is kind of similar to, say, an item like Bloodstone, where there's like a subset of maybe five heroes that want Parasma that it's really good on, and everybody else just doesn't care. Um, the new neutral items seem all right for the most part, I guess. Um, nothing's like egregious, but nothing's also like very cool, where I'm like, hell yeah, this is my new favorite neutral item. Um,. So yeah, I think overall, kind of just, it's it's solid, but nothing outstanding, nothing to really celebrate, I think. And also yeah. not, not don't hate it either. I think a lot of the uh, stuff that you and everybody else was saying when it first came out is that magic damage dealers would be stronger. That's, I think, definitely the case. Yeah, uh, but they quickly nerfed Shiva for that reason. The, the two new items are not seeing that much play. I agree with that. And that, uh, I mean, I feel like, in essence, they're kind of niche anyway. Like Parasma mm -hmm. is just for specific heroes, like Storm Spirit types, like people that buy Witchblade. Like it's not like you're going to change that, yeah. right? And then yep. Conda is really a weird item because it combines auto attack with a single target spell, which I know the lower levels of players are buying it on every hero, but. Uh, it's kind of a weird mishmash, if you will. And even like the redone items like uh, Revenant's Brooch, I don't think I've seen that yet. Have you? Uh, I think I've seen it once, but yeah, not particularly popular. <laughs> One time, okay. Yeah, yeah so that's going to probably, I would assume, unless something develops here in the next few months, uh, it's going to need another tweak to make that an item that people actually buy, which... They're just going to take the passive from Parasma, by the way, Cinderin. Mm -hmm. It's the negative magic resist. Then it's good. Then it's good. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, but like Shiva's, I, th I like the changes to Shiva's. Uh, it, it feels like it, it changes a little bit of like the old stuff that you just muscle memory buy, at least mm -hmm. for me, like on these offlane heroes. So that's kind of nice. But at the same time, it doesn't feel that different. It just replaces the old items. Like Veil replaces Vanguard. You know, yep. for example. So it's like, yeah, it's nice, but it's not anything crazy, I think. Exactly. I think essentially what has happened is that the offlane meta has gone from the Vanguard into uh, Octarine on a lot of heroes to just now being Eternal Shroud and Shivas mm -hmm. is what a lot of the tanky heroes are buying because the alternatives either got nerfed or got removed, right? So it's like... I mean, it's also hard to design the game in a way that that doesn't inherently happen, right? Like, there is just going to be an archetype of play for a lot of heroes and a lot of roles because they have natural overlap. Um, 
I do think they were pretty quick to nerf, especially Shiva's and Solar Crest by a lot, which was very needed. The nerf to Eternal Shroud, I think, is largely inconsequential. It's just the reduction to the stack duration of Endurance, which is the additional magic assist. Okay, I shouldn't say it's nothing, but it it's not that big, I think, compared to the other nerfs. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I guess all in all, again, the conclusion is just it's all right. I haven't. The main difference that I'm seeing is what heroes are meta, which is often mm. largely dictated by items, right? So, just see more of those like caster heroes, which I personally am fond of. So I think it's fun to see those like heroes being played more and playing them myself. But it's not. How to say it didn't? It didn't make the game. What's the word here? I don't think it added hero variety. I think heroes just got replaced by others. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think there's more heroes being played in total would be my verdict here. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm, I'm starting to realize the kind of patches that I've never really thought about this, but the kind of patches that I prefer uh, over one like this. It's not like this was bad, but it's just, you know, didn't really change that much for me. Mm-hmm. Are, and I, I guess I have mentioned like Ag Scepter, Shards, uh, rework of skills and the reason i like them is because it feels like you're playing a new hero right like, right obviously when you rework a hero on their skills it's going to be a new hero essentially but even mm-hmm. with ags and shard that's literally in some cases a new skill that you get and even if it's right. quality of life so like legion commander is a great example the hero feels a lot better to me i know they they changed like the overwhelming odds to make the quality of life feel much better which is something i'd been wanting for years so she felt better already but her shard was like unpurchasable just fucking garbage and now you basically have to purchase it and it just feels better to play as a result Um, helps you snowball uh just things like that is the type that i personally like to see in the patches and there wasn't really that much of it so uh and then we kind of talked about it last time but i was really hoping for that new game mode or over Christmas break, but right. not to be. Yeah. That would have definitely bumped up the rating of the patch quite a lot, but I don't know if we would consider it a part of the patch, right? But yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much to read into that, if that just means that they're kind of done with that in Dota. Um, specifically because this is the first year we don't have an event. Hmm. Um, and the way that the phrasing was around Frostivus got people really excited for the potential of an event to end the year. Uh, and considering all the hype that was around it, all the interest the community showed, and the fact that it still didn't get put in there, might mean that Valve are kind of taking a step away from spending resources on that, and that they'd rather just work on the core game uh, and not make additional events, which I personally think would be a shame. Um, but like we talked about last time, it's always going to be an equation where you're evaluating how much is it worth spending a lot of work hours making this custom mode versus how long it's relevant for how many people interact with it and play it how much they enjoy it and what it does for the game and knowing how metrics driven valve are they might just come to the conclusion that it isn't worth it and that sucks because a lot of us enjoy it but there's also a ton of people that don't play the games or play them once or twice and then just play dota after and it's like, was that worth spending hundreds and hundreds of work hours on making this custom game that, let's say, 50% of the people that play it play it twice, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I genuinely think is the case a lot of the time, is that, you know, Reddit and us were the vocal minority that are really invested in specific parts of this game. I think a lot of people just don't really care that much. 
about secondary game modes. Uh, also, do you, you know think that, about though? the arcade. <clears throat> well, I think the arcade is a good example. The arcade has shitloads of custom games for people to play. It's a small fraction of the people that play Dota that play all the arcade games combined. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that it's a bit different if Valve put in an official, you know, secondary game mode because obviously it will be more popular than the arcade. It will be on the front page. People will play it. But I just, I'm just saying, I don't know it for a fact. This is speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised that the the how to say the return on investment for Valve might just not feel worth it. And mm. at that point, it also becomes almost a philosophical question of should you always, in a game like this, should you always do what drives the most player hours or is there quality, right? Where it's like, is the ultimate metric how many people are playing your game for how many hours? Or is it also the thing that's really hard to measure is how good of a time are they having? How valuable is the hour that they play to them? where usually playing new content is a lot more valuable. That's why people love new patches, because inherently they're having more fun than playing the old stuff. Um, but, you know, how do you measure that? How, how good a time people are having with a custom game? Or, I don't know. It's hard. I'm just, uh, I'm thinking with a Valve mindset there, probably. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean... I, I was saying, for us both, we would love a custom game, right? Yeah, I mean, I get the... the- the pros and cons of it. That's why I'm not getting upset about it. <laughs> mm. I'm just saying what I would have preferred, obviously. Uh, if you had to guess, on average, for the events Valve have put in, how many hours do you think you've spent on them? We're talking everything from Aghanim's Labyrinth, which I'm sure is the one you spent the most time on, to Siltbreaker, which I think you didn't even play, or played once. Played for 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah. So if you had to like average it out, I, this is maybe an impossible question, but it's just interesting to think about, right? Siltbreaker took them a ton of effort. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the game they made that was the most work, if I had to guess. Uh, and someone who's hardcore, <clears throat> excuse me, hardcore Dota fan like yourself played it for 10 minutes. So here's the other <clears throat> aspect, though. I think you're only looking at it from one perspective. I think I'd be surprised if this weren't the case. I assume part of the reason that they made Siltbreaker is to see if it could be a standalone game. So in, sure. in some ways, it's almost <laughs> like you're alpha testing, if you want to look at it that way, uh, right. a game that you could come out with outside of Dota. If people played it, then that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, either way, it's information for them, right? They confirmed that that's probably not something. Even though a lot of people really right. liked it, it wasn't as popular as like Ag's Labyrinth, for example. So... Uh, I think that in and of itself is valuable to Valve, especially considering how analytical-based they are, right? They're obsessed mm-hmm. with fucking statistics to a fault, I think. Uh, so that that's one perspective that you're not uh, keeping in mind. But, yeah, I right. think... I understand what you're saying, though. Like, I just don't know. Yeah, I'd have to look at the numbers, right? To see right, what the and- average person would have spent on it. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. But I will say that's an interesting take of the using... Dota as a test bed for potential releases mm-hmm. is an interesting idea. But it also means that you probably can't put in too much effort into the game in Dota then, right? Because then if you need to make it as a standalone afterwards, I don't know how much of it is transferable outside of the game into being a standalone. I don't know how much of the time ends up being quote-unquote wasted because you have to do it all over. Um so I, I don't know if you can do it as like a proof of concept of a type of game, and then if it catches on, you can make a bigger version of it se- uh, separately. 
Uh, but again, in terms of like effort and hours that go in, if you make something like Siltbreaker and it gets really good, would you rather release it as a standalone or monetize it in Dota at mm-hmm. that point when you've put in that much time and effort, right? I don't know. Yeah, um, and this is it's an interesting not idea. even considering the fact that they wanted to do stuff that was Dota-related outside of Dota, Cough, Artifact, Dota Underlords, and those failed miserably. So I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say uh, that they're not going to do that again. Um, but Neon Prime is supposed to be like a mishmash, I guess, of all their universes, which that could make theoretically more sense. But I think mm-hmm. if if somebody had told me that their opinion is that, or their prediction is that Neon Prime would be Dota universe only, I would be adamant. I'd be shocked. I'd be adamant yeah. that that's not the case. I think two times already they failed at that. Mm-hmm. I think the Dota audience, and we've said this before, is just so fickle in everything. We all live in a bubble, right? It's just such it a so weird dynamic. Like, why is that? I don't why know. is it that we are the biggest island on Twitch? Like that, Dota viewers just love Dota so much, but don't like just on average compared to other viewers, just don't watch as much variety. Just find it interesting. Is it? Is it just a? Um, I don't feel like you can boil it down to something like what's it called where you've invested so much time into something that you feel like you have to sunk cost. I don't think it's like a sunk cost fallacy kind of thing because with that logic, shouldn't it be similar to other games of the same type, like league of legends? Like, shouldn't they also just only want to watch league uh, and only want to play league? Um, I don't know. Maybe this game just is so extremely complex and takes up so much of your focus and time when you do play it that it just kind of becomes almost a lifestyle in gaming, Dota. I don't know. Um, it's, it's obviously always just going to be an average assessment, but I just find it really fascinating. that. And you, you see it yourself, right? If you, if you stream another game as a Dota streamer, I feel like the drop-off you have compared to other game streamers is just harder. Like, fewer people will watch. And subs, subscribers are far less in comparison to other games as well with the same yeah. viewership. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be fascinated with anybody that does like a case study on this, right? I don't think that's ever mm-hmm. going to happen. I'm sure Valve has done stuff internally. Uh, but yeah, no idea. I don't know how we got to this point, by the way. Uh, we're talking about game modes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, to, cool. to recap, uh, not, uh, I mean, the patch is kind of whatever. It's all I, right. I, all right. I'm waiting for the new hero and hopefully a game mode. I think that'll yeah. when do you think it comes out, out the new hero uh march Did, what was it the announcement was wasn't it just 2024 or was it q1 no it it just said the year okay actually what, be, one of the big uh, events i could see them oh I, now that's not dpc though maybe they won't attach that i genuinely think valve will not care about events when they patch except ti well, they kind I, of I was, set the precedent for that by dropping a patch right in the middle of the last ESL before the playoffs. Right. Like, literally just shook things up the day. I was more talking about, like, when they announce big stuff that's about to happen at a tournament, but now that they're not officially oh, DPC, there's yeah. no incentive yeah. for them, probably. So Yeah, the only but, tournament they would probably announce stuff at would be TI, right? That's the only Valve tournament left. Yeah, and that's hopefully not when Ringmaster will come out. <laughs> that would be very disappointing. Uh, but yeah, maybe there's gonna be a ringmaster. I, I could see that's like a circus type of mm-hmm. theme with the game mode. That would be cool. 
Who knows? Hoping hard for the game mode, I see. Yep. Yes. Indeed. All right. Uh, next topic is the Relic Arena Kickstarter. This is the last that you will hear of it because it is done, Cinderin. All uh, right. I'm not going to switch screens, but I'll just open it on my separate one here. Uh, we ended up at $56,983. Thank you, everybody, to... Thank you to everyone that contributed. Uh, we unlocked, on top of the stuff that I mentioned last week, which I think I said weather effects, uh, we added a, a 52,000 tier where we give everybody extra in-game gold. And then 55,000 was also unlocked where everybody will get a Little Red Riding Hood caster skin, which is actually a wolf in a hood. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not a little, little girl. Uh, so yeah. The Kickstarter's done. Thanks to everybody. Uh, I'll probably have occasional segments on the podcast where I talk about the progression of the game, but I don't know how in-depth I'm going to go because some of the rewards that were part of the Kickstarter involve us actually doing that. Uh, so we'll right. see. I'm not sure how I want to do it, but it was an interesting experience doing the Kickstarter and I think we definitely have some regrets, uh, but overall, it could have been a lot worse, and I think it went pretty decently, so can't be too sad about it. So thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. I think with things like that, without knowing, because you know this is your thing, I feel like it's kind of hard to gauge when you go in not knowing at all what to expect. It's like you're probably worried that you won't meet your first goal, but then when you meet it fast, you're kind of like shooting for the stars. You're like, oh, wow, hmm. how high will it go, right? So it's it's, it's got to be, I don't know if you want to speak more to that, like the experience of the development over time of something like that, of having an insane day one and then not knowing how big a part of day one was, you know, the, the part of people that wanted to contribute, like what your expectations are along the way, how it changes your outlook and then what ultimately happens. Oh, well, we got a lot of advice and I we did a lot of research on different Kickstarters. Mm -hmm. So we knew that the first like two to three days, it was going to be the most. We just had no idea how much it was going to be. And I think the strategy, which was the correct strategy is to put the goal of the Kickstarter relatively low so that you hit it within mm -hmm. the first day, which we did. Um, and then just kind of go from there. And then one after that first initial wave, two to three days, then you can kind of see how it's progressing and then you can mm -hmm. kind of keep in mind with like your stretch goals because that was the like I think it would have been a huge mistake to have all our stretch goals come out right away with the amounts listed because <laughs> we changed mm -hmm. them based on dynamically based on what we were actually getting right right because uh, we'd never done anything like this before and we you we literally just talked about this where the Dota audience is just in a bubble so we don't even know like mm -hmm. how that transfers outside we're exiting that bubble in some right. ways so. Yeah, uh, I think the whole th fact that it was in December, uh, I mean, I can't go into too much detail, but we had to do it, let's just say. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's the worst month, so that's really unfortunate. Uh, and we were supposed to get, okay, I can't even talk about all this shit. But yeah, I'll, we'll, occasionally I'll come out with some updates mm -hmm. to the game, I think that people hopefully will be interested in. So, But overall, a cool experience. I think the one thing looking back now, it, the Kickstarter for Rel, uh, Relic Arena, for Jenkins and I, it kind of consumed us for like a full month and a half. And mm -hmm. it's like all this stuff about how to get money from the community, what to make for them, 
how do we get fulfillment to ship and all this like part in some ways it's kind of fun to create something like that but at the same time that's like a month and a half that we're not getting to do what we love which is Mm -hmm. game design like we would still try to do that but then we'd get back on track like oh wait we have to do this first Mm -hmm. though because the kickstarter is more important right now so now that's done we can get back to what we want to do which is making cool stuff so yep yeah okay uh, next on the list is AI, Cinderin. Oh, so, wow. Who would have thought? There's no NBA segment today. Let's talk about AI again. So I, these were for, these articles were from uh, a bit ago. Oh, my God. Was this one actually a year ago? As in actually a year ago? Uh, one of them is from March 9th. Wow. Why is this on there, Cinder? Anyway. The other, we have one that's more than... We have one from May 1st. Wait, why do we have these? That's a good question. I the article is seven months old. Why am I even bringing this up? Uh, let me see if I even want to talk well, about we, it now. We can talk about the last one. That's from December twenty seventh. Well, but That's we never we right. never actually talked about this stuff though, did we? No. Okay. I'll sum up. But the I don't first... know how new it is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is not new. Apparently, I thought it was because I hadn't. I don't remember seeing it. But now that I look at the dates, it's horribly out out of date. But uh, AI is being used in this a lot of this is very preliminary but it's being used Mm -hmm. in brain scans to recreate images people see so you think of an image or you see an image like you're looking at a photograph and then the ai is hooked like it's hooked up to you in some capacity i assume with like the Mm -hmm. shit in your brain and it creates a picture of what you're seeing so mind reading essentially very early stages but it just gives you a glimpse of you know 10 years down the road what it could actually look like that's cool. Another thing that they're using for and terrifying. is terrifying. Yeah. And terrifying uh, is being able to mind read, which in a different way, textually, not through images, but what you're thinking can be this is this is the coolest application. Imagine you can't talk, right? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking something and it just types it out or it voices it's essentially your voice, right? Uh, that one's right. a little bit more far along than the reading your mind with the pictures. Uh, essentially, it detects what you're thinking in a way, in a very basic way, and then inserts it into ChatGPT. And it's not perfect, obviously. There's a lot of like little stuff that is kind of wonky, uh, where it'll just mm-hmm. get the context like totally wrong, so it's not really going to make sense. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, think about the application of that alone. Do you think that's the coolest application? I think it's the most positive one. <laughs> okay. There's definitely some privacy concerns. Of course. There's always going to be. Uh, once you can start reading people's minds, if that actually becomes a thing. For me, that's pretty fucking dystopian. I'm not going to lie. That one has me worried. Because the applications of people not being able to privately control their own thoughts is... Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. Let me tell you that. Um... I can't help but feel like that is not going to strictly be used in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it, is it cool? Hell yeah, it's cool as fuck. It's extremely fascinating that it's possible. But I, I as usual, I'm going to be the negative Nancy about AI that is very concerned about yeah, ethics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the tech itself is awesome, and the positive applications like the one you mentioned is great. Um, so okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, you know me and AI. 
obviously there's going to be a lot of stuff they need to iron out with uh, what's legal and ethical, like you said. But uh, the other, the reason that we brought this up, because I guess these were part of the article anyway, but New York Times is suing OpenAI uh, to delete all chat GPT instances, because apparently you're able to, so the New York Times has a, is it all of it? It's most of the website now is paywall, right? So mm-hmm. you can't actually access these articles until you've paid a subscription. And there's a way in ChatGPT, I think initially if you ask for something via, uh, like specifically give you the article, it says no, and then you keep asking, and eventually it'll give you the whole article. But also, when it's scraping for any info, right, just general stuff that you're asking, it can mm-hmm. scrape things within the New York Times. So obviously New York Times doesn't like that very much, uh, and now they're suing. I think technically... OpenAI have disabled that aspect for New York, the New York Times specifically, but that kind of opens up the whole can of worms for every other website that you have to to paywall. Now, you could also argue, why does New York Times, uh, the subscription, why is that like the way that they monetize? I know a lot of people are not mm-hmm. particularly thrilled with having to pay to read news, and that should be theoretically like the right of every human or whatever. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of different opinions, but I feel like this is opening up a lot of can of worms and open AI and just AI in general. Uh, we're starting to see the legal aspects come to, come to fruition, right? Yeah. Like we're starting to see a lot of kickback. Because this I mean, was this like a long of, time coming for them as well, with New York Times specifically. Yeah, this was one of the conversations we had, I think on multiple episodes about AI, right? Is the gray area of who actually owns the output Mm. Uh, like how does it work with copyright when the AI is learning from copyrighted works? And this is just, this is kind of an extreme example of it in a, in a sense, because this is not just the AI, you know, learning, this is you being able to call for a specific article that you shouldn't have access to and open AI can access it. That's just, I mean, to me, this is a complete no brainer that this shouldn't be a functionality. Uh, you can disagree with New York times way of monetizing or whatever, but if you do have something that is uh, is pay to read or pay to watch or whatever, and OpenAI can just circumvent it entirely for people mm-hmm. to just call for, that's you know that's just not a thing. Um, also, what's the how to say what what happened right? Because in the past, if you go back like twenty years, thirty years, forty years, people used to buy the newspaper. Yeah. And just, you know, you'd go to the store, you'd buy the newspaper, you'd pay. That was paying to read the news, right? Essentially, you Mm -hmm. bought the newspaper and took it home as entertainment. Uh, And then you started watching the news on TV, which was technically, at least in Denmark, I don't know, in the US, I'm assuming you had a subscription for the channels you were watching the news on. So you were also paying to watch the news. Um, I think most, uh, it depends. A lot of the channels are free over the air. Okay. Like the main ones are free over the air, but if you want to get like, I don't know, example, CNN or ESPN mm-hmm. or whatever, those you have to pay cable subscription. So I'm assuming the ones free over the air are financed fully by advertisements then? Yeah, there's commercials. Because I mean, obviously something has to pay, right? Mm. Um, well, some I, of I them just, are I, like, I, uh, like PBS would be publicly funded, right? But I right, think, okay. I'm pretty sure they also have commercials. Because in Denmark, it's pretty simple. Like our main, uh, this this was changed somewhat recently how this is implemented. But essentially, everyone who has a device that is watching tech that can watch the news or can use the internet or whatever, 
uh, pays through tax, pays a fee to uh, be able to access the official Danish broadcast service, which is kind of the Danish BBC uh, that has multiple channels and they are public service. So they have to, uh, they have to, by regulations, show different content that appeals to different audiences, including news, uh, different, you know, something for all age groups, something for all interest groups, et cetera, et cetera. They have to like show a bro- broad variety of things. Mm. Um, so that has always just been an implementation that everybody was kind of subscribed to that, so to speak. I just find it interesting, this whole counter push to paying a subscription for news sites specifically, that people are so against that when you consider that that's kind of been, in a way has been the standard for so long, just in a different packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, I I'm think, not sure where I'm really going with this. I just, just thought it was interesting. I think a think part about. of it is the generation. The people that were buying newspapers probably still were buying newspapers when the internet first came out. Mm-hmm. Everything else on the internet was essentially free, at least at first, right? Yeah. And torrenting was big. Like, illegal shit like that was big. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah. I guess it's also because you have access to so much news for free that you feel like okay, why isn't all news free? Like, why do I right. have to pay for this one when I can find so many, so mm. much free news of, in other places? Uh, where there's, you could I mean, also look you, at it like, okay, the free news, news is a privilege. Um, I mean, like I said, you do in Denmark pay through your tax to this broadcasting yeah, service, right? I don't really use it very much. Do you voluntarily no. pay for anything? Yeah. But I also never bought the newspaper. So for me, like, how yeah. to say, I guess our generation largely growing up just watched news on television and whether that was free or not, you're kind of used to that. Mm. Um, but I, I don't think you can get quality journalism for free, right? Like it's got to give somewhere. So either you're going to have advertisements funding it or you're going to pay for it. You're, these people aren't going to work for free. So mm-hmm. I don't know why people expect all news to be free. That's just why, I don't know, like... I mean, Am I, I wrong in saying that the, the, the discourse around this is just different to other things where people take it for granted that, of, of course, this is something that you pay for, you know? Whereas for news, it just feels like people think it should be just be free. Yeah, it's because, when, like you said, we watch the news on TV and you're not paying for, like, you're not paying them to watch the news. You're paying for cable service, which gives you a mm-hmm. shit ton of channels. Some of them are news. Right. So it doesn't feel yes. like you're paying for the news specifically. Like I've mm-hmm. I've been linked articles every now and then, like whether it's uh, New York Times or like sports related stuff where it's pay to read. Mm-hmm. I have never done that before, and I don't think I would have a reason to because Reddit <laughs> is a pretty good news outlet overall, right? So I guess then ultimately it begs the question: Is this even a good business model that they're running? Like, yeah, I don't know how they, they would make change money. it to be fully ad. I mean, that, they've instead. been struggling for a long time, right? So yeah. it's still one of those things. I don't know. Uh, right. Just hire AI to write your articles there. There you go. That's the solution. You don't have to pay money. Uh, all right. Final topic is uh, also slightly out of date, uh, but I think it's important to acknowledge this that E3 is officially dead. I'm guessing you never have been to an E3. I have not, no. Uh, Nikki and I went to one. 
uh it was very brief because they were actually closing so it was like only like 20 minutes of walking around uh, for people that don't know this is the electronic entertainment expo uh essentially a convention every year where games all things games congregated and a lot of times it would end up being like the big announcements of the year for games so like xbox or microsoft would come have a little news conference and talk about some new stuff like the stuff that you see now which i think this is part of the reason that they're dying they they died is because microsoft or whether it be apple whoever they just do their own conventions now right they they have their own it's just all about them it's literally just their products and then it's done it's not like this huge part of a big convention it's not a part of a, a bigger thing so that's essentially what it was and i think covid really hurt it but i think it's mostly at least in my opinion is from all these companies just doing their own thing now which is sad because you know this is a important part of gaming history i think mm-hmm. and i'm sad that you didn't get to at least experience a little bit of it but I mean, I've been to something similar, I suppose, right? Just not E3, but, you know, like Gamescom in Germany, for example, is like kind of a European version of this. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I've been there, I think, twice. Uh, one of the times with the TI-1 was there. Um, I'm going to... I think COVID killed this, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think this would have uh, died off without it. And I think the ripple effect that you're talking about, that the companies are doing their own reveals. I think they did that because something like this was hurt so hard by COVID. So I I genuinely think without a pandemic, this would have still been running in the same form as it used to. So yeah, that's a shame. Um, But as with a lot of other things with COVID, you know, the actors in the space find an alternative solution. And once they've implemented and spent resources on that, they're not going to go back to this one when they have made their own and their Mm -hmm. own system. So it's just how it is sometimes shit happens, random things influence stuff. And yeah, it sucks because I think these kind of things were actually very exciting and very cool and good for uh, good for the industry. So it's a shame. But yeah, now we're seeing, uh, I mean, not that this is a bad thing because I thought it was really cool. The, uh, what was that? There's a bunch of different like online versions of this kind of like the one that, mm-hmm. uh, oh my God, what is that? What is that streaming Nintendo? group called? Well, no, no. Oh, oh, never mind. You mean the OTK Games? Expo? Yeah, that I, I watched a bit of that. That was really cool mm-hmm. the way they did that. Uh, it's obviously not exactly the same, but uh, just kind of a way to, you know, advertise your games, get people to get hyped about stuff. And there's like a million yeah. versions of that, but this was like, you know, at least in the U.S., this was like the main, or at least for the longest time, it was the main one that you physically would show up to. Of course, there's a lot of other ones like there's packs and. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. hopefully be going to GDC this year. I don't know if that's going to work schedule-wise, but we'll see. That's for game developers. Uh, I've always wanted to go to that. But this one was like just gamer, 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 right? Yeah. So kind of sad uh, to see it go. But that's how it goes now, sometimes. Why, did, why do you think PAX survived? Uh, I The only PAX that I had been to was for artifact and i didn't get i didn't really see anything other than just mm-hmm. the artifact booth but okay i don't know actually i have no idea what the difference it's a is a matter of scale perhaps potential i know there's uh there's not just one pax location either i think they have several so maybe mm-hmm. they're more spread out and e3 was more consolidated into i think it was in was it L- i think it was la so 
not 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 entirely sure. But it's the way she goes. All right. Uh that does it for this week on We Say Things. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your New Year's. It's it's the fourth. Have a great rest of 2024, everybody. Yep. See you guys next year. Peace out. We say things that don't mean anything, Subscribe. But thanks for listening.